I want to finish tonight the series on brokenness, and uh, I'd like for you to turn to the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. And I want to do just a little review with you here right quickly, and uh, I know we've done this every time, and so it's repetitious, but so is John 3.16. And try to show you uh, how this principle evolves and where we find uh, the idea in the Scripture for the concept of brokenness, what it is, its purpose and process, etc. Um, we said that man um, is a physical being. He, um, he relates to his world. He has world consciousness as a result of, his, um, of the fact that he is a physical being. He has in his physical being, resident in his physical being, are the five senses. And with these senses, in the, with the five senses in his physical nature, he relates to his world. We also said that man is a soulish being. And residing in the soul of man is his personality. He has a mind with which to think a will with which to decide, and a heart or an emotion with which to feel, so that he, he thinks and he chooses and he feels. He is a soulish being. We have said also that man is a spiritual being, and that resident in his spirit is the Spirit of God, a believer, Resident in the believer's spirit is the spirit of the living God. And that by his spirit and in his spirit, he communes with God. He worships God. And it is only in the spirit of man that, where he can commune and worship God or worship and fellowship with, with the Father. Now, these five senses of God-given... And man is created by God just like this. But God never intended for man to live in the outer man. He never intended for man to live on the basis of his physical being. He never intended for man just to relate to his world through the senses. And he never intended for man to live as, as a soulish being on the basis of his choosing and his feeling, and his rationalization, his, his intellect. Rather, he meant for man to live from the inner, from the spirit. He, he, he meant for man to live by the spirit, and for his spirit to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, God. Now, we said that, man, a belief, that, a, that an unbeliever lives totally on the basis of the five senses. His spirit is dead. But we also said that a believer can live just like an unbeliever if he lives on the basis of, if, if, if he lives as a soulish being and he makes his choices and he lives his life on the basis of how he uh, thinks intellectually, rationalizes, and wills. Do you know why it is impossible for you to break a habit from the soulish man? You make up your mind, you will, that you're going to break this habit under which you've lived for years and years. And so you say, I'm just determined. I don't feel good about this habit. 
I know it's not right, I know it's not good for me, intellectually I know that, and so I'm just going to will that I'm going to quit doing this that I've always done. And we make those decisions on the basis of, our, of, of the soulish man. You know why? That you can't break a habit that way. is because your soul wants to do what your body wants to do. And so a person has to live on the basis of the spirit of man under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now I'll use that illustration one more time of the temple. The temple was divided into three sections. There, were the, there was the outer court where everyone could go, even the Gentiles. There was the holy place where the, the Jews and the priests could go. And then there was the holiest place, the holy of holies, where God Himself dwelled, the dwelling place of God Himself. And everything that went on in the Jewish economy was on the basis of the revelation of God in the holiest place. And so man sought to understand what God wanted for his life and the priest communicated that from the Word of God and they lived on the basis of the revelation of God in the holiest place. And God intends for man to live on the basis of the Holy Spirit in control of man's spirit. And so he lives his life out like that. Now, brokenness, the concept of brokenness is the process of God whereby he shatters our dependence upon the five senses, upon the will, the emotion, the mind. He shatters that dependence. He shatters our dependence upon that until a man lives under the control of the Holy Spirit of God and he lives by the Spirit. The process of brokenness is what God does to bring a man to the end of the self-life. Now there's a perfect illustration of that in the 37th chapter of Genesis. I want to begin reading at verse 1. We'll take a quick look at this and then, we'll, uh, then we're through. Looking at the result of brokenness. Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. He was his favorite son because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a very colored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Now, you'll notice that's, that's as far as the, the worksheet goes. But I want to read a little further. Follow me on. Then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Now, you just don't uh, tell these dreams to your brothers, and you know, this is just not the way you win friends. Look at this dream. And he said to them, Please listen to the dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, 
your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now, um, if you'll read the Bible, you'll discover that there are only two men that there is nothing negative ever said about them. One of these men is Daniel, and the other man is Joseph. They're the only two men, as far as I know, in the Bible that there is nothing ever said about them negatively, other, of course, than Jesus. But I have a little bit of problem with Joseph myself. Now, I, I, I wasn't inspired to write the Scripture, but I have a little bit of a problem with this guy named Joseph. I have a little bit of problem with his pride and his arrogancy. Can you just imagine this young guy feeling the way he felt at the age of 17? I mean, the flash bulbs are popping, and everything's looking great for him. He's on the way to the top. And so he says to his brothers, I want you to listen to my dream. And the whole concept of that dream was that one day he'd be number one, they'd be bound down to him. And they just, you know, that just didn't win a whole lot of friends with them. And so you know the story from your childhood. Let me just remind you of it. While he was out pasturing the flock at the age of 17, after having boasted of this position, and of this power and this status with God, they decided they'd just sell him into slavery, and so they did. They sold him to slavery, and he was brought to the court of the Pharaoh, to Potiphar's court. You know the story, don't you? And he was there for a while, and then he was thrown into prison. And to make a short, long story short, in prison, I started to say short story long, but you're already anticipating that. Now they threw him in prison, and there he met two men, a baker and a butler. And he had the ability to interpret these dreams, and so the butler came to him with his dream, and he told him, interpreted, and he said, you're going to be released from here in a few days, and when you get back into the court, I want you to, you know, remember me. Well, he just didn't. He forgot him. So here was Joseph, sold into slavery by his own brothers, there in Potiphar's court, betrayed by this evil woman, put in prison, and there he languished away his life, forgotten by everybody he had ever known. And that's the kind of the short story of God's bringing Joseph to the position of the end of the self-life. I believe that what is taking place in Joseph's life is the work of God to break this man, to bring him to the end of the self-life. Because when you begin to follow and see what the result of that imprisonment, that betrayal, that, uh, the deceit of his own brothers, to see the outcome is to see the marvelous result of brokenness. Now we're going to look at the result. Number one. The first result of brokenness is that it develops in you a meek spirit, a spirit of meekness. Now there are three things that I want to say about a spirit of meekness. A spirit of meekness 
has three characteristics about it. If you know somebody who has a spirit of meekness, a meek person, there are three characteristics about that person's life. Number one, they are approachable. They are approachable. Now, I want you just to think in your mind of the people that you know that you just are drawn to when you have a burden or you have a problem or you have a question. There are some people that are, that are just approachable. They are ju- you just, you're just drawn to these people. Let's suppose tonight that you got in trouble and you had a need, you had a real burden on your heart. You just knew that if you couldn't share that burden, you were just going to die. You were just going to explode. Who would you call? I mean, you're going to get on the phone tonight at 10 o'clock and you're going to you're going to bear your heart to somebody. You're going to share your deepest need, your deepest longing. Who, what name immediately comes to your mind? That person you understand is approachable. They're, you're just drawn to them. Now sometimes someone will say, I wonder why people don't come to me. I wonder why you know, people don't feel free to come and share with me. I see folks talking to other people and they're just you know, bearing their heart to them. But nobody ever really comes to share with me. Probably they feel that you're not approachable. It is a product, it is a result of brokenness. When God breaks one and he comes to the end of self, He is approachable. Secondly, he has a sensitive spirit. He has a sensitive spirit. He is sensitive to other people. He is sensitive to other people's needs. He can weep for the first time. He feels for other people. He can identify with others. He is sensitive. It is the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. You begin to feel things like Jesus began, like Jesus felt them. And the, and the scripture uh, described him as a man, you know, just to read about him was just to feel the sensitivity of his spirit. And he saw other people as, as, as the religious leaders of his day never saw them. And he picked up on what they were saying and he heard them saying things that the religious leaders never heard them say. He had a sensitive spirit. The result of brokenness is that you begin to see people as you never saw them before and you begin to pick up on what they're saying. You begin to identify with them and understand them. That's why a good counselor has to be a broken man if he's any good at all. And let's face it, when we begin to, when we have a sensitive spirit, we begin to, we begin to recognize and enjoy and appreciate life better. Let me see if I can illustrate. Uh, not that I do this, but let, let's suppose that I'm going to get in my car and drive 90 miles an hour through scenic southeastern Oklahoma. I've been wanting to take this trip up here, this, uh, what do they call this, uh, uh, sightseeing tour out in southeastern Oklahoma. I've been threatening to do that here, you know, before the uh, winter time. Let's suppose I just get in my car, drive 90 miles an hour down the highway. How much am I going to see of what is around me? 
I might not make it in the first place, but you know, you got to keep your eyes glued on the road when you're going that fast. And what is going on around you, you never really notice, you know, when you're driving that fast. Some of you know that for sure. A person who does not have a sensitive spirit is not conscious of what is happening around him. He's just like, he's just like, Flashing through life at 90 miles an hour, a broken man is sensitive to what is happening around him. The third characteristic of a meek spirit is that he is easily edified. He begins to learn spiritual truths from within. Now, if he is an unbroken man and he's taught spiritual truths... And, 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 and here is the discerning. We've already noted that the discerning part of man is in his spirit. Resident in his spirit is the organ of discernment. Let's suppose that he's not a broken man. He receives spiritual truths and they come from the outside within. They have to... The, the, the senses and the emotion and the mind and the will filter all of these things before they get to the spirit. But when he's taught by the Spirit, he's taught in the Spirit, and he's taught from the inside out. And he, he learns things easier. He picks up on spiritual truths easier. He begins, to, he begins to grasp spiritual reality because the Holy Spirit is teaching him from within. The result of brokenness is a meek spirit. Secondly... The result of brokenness is maximum service. Now there's some of you here tonight who are uh, 17. Some of us are much older than that. Let's just suppose, let's, you try to you know, get in a time machine and go back to the age when you were 17 again. Oh, what, what, a, you know, what a glorious time. Oh, to be 17 again. Just remember, try to remember what it was like. You're in this time capsule and you're 17. And somebody comes up to you and says, I want you in your lifetime, I'm going to make you second in command of the world. I mean, vice president of the world. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty big job, pretty, pretty high position. You're going to sit in second and second in command of all that's happening in the world and everybody in the world will come to you and will seek your counsel, your permission before anything is done and before any laws are passed, you will have to give permission of those laws. And you're 17, would you accept such an offer as that? Of course you would, but wait a minute, there's a catch. Before you can be second in command, you're going to have to be sold into slavery. You'll be betrayed by the people that love you and you love, your own family. And you're going to live for a while in the bottom of a pit and you don't know whether you're going to live or die or not. And, and, and one of these days, some people are going to carry you away into captivity and there you're going to be in a life and death in a life threatening situation a woman is going to tell a terrible lie about you and you're going to be cast into prison and forgotten you see 
Before there can be maximum service and usefulness, the process of brokenness has to take place. Now, I don't know whether we, um, we really know, we've really known how to identify it or not. I don't know whether we've even recognized it or not. But I don't know very many people, either contemporary people or historical folk, who have gotten to the place where they are in position of leadership who have not been broken somewhere in life. I mean, even George Truitt went through the process of brokenness. Uh, would, would the name Criswell uh, mean anything to you? Probably the, the person that's looked toward in, in Southern Baptist life as the leader. I remember hearing him tell one day of a story that he literally went through... Uh, hell at the First Baptist Church in Dallas and he said on Sunday morning after he'd been there about five years while he would be in his study getting ready to preach there'd be men outside his study talking loud enough for he, him to hear them that they were going to run him out of town and fire him and all those kinds of things. Somebody was asking me the other day uh, if I ever listen to Charles Stanley, Charles Stanley preaches some on cable. He's on the cable news network station. The pastor of the First Baptist Church in Atlanta, the person who introduced me to the concept of brokenness the first time, he went to that church as associate pastor. And when the pastor resigned, he, the people just, uh, about half of the people there just insisted he be the pastor. Many refused his leadership rejected him. One morning when he got up and read his text, a deacon got up out of the audience. Now not, I'm not, I hope I'm not giving up any information here, but a deacon got up out of the audience, came up to the pulpit where he was preaching on, Nash, on television in the city of Atlanta, said, when you became the pastor of this church, it was the death of our church, ran back and gave him a right cross right in the chin. And next Sunday, 70 of his deacons joined the Ponce de Leon Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. There are not many people in this world being used effectively for God who have not gone through the process of brokenness. It maximizes service. Got to hurry. Number three, it enables you to recognize the sovereignty of God in life. Brokenness enables you to recognize what God is doing in life. Would you turn to the 45th chapter of the book of Genesis, and let's just read together. You read as, with me as I read aloud, verse 4 through 8. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me... Oh, look at that. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there's still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to prepare for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance and God did this. Now you know what our natural tendency when things happen to us that are 
uncomfortable and, and hurtful and bring us sorrow and heartache, we, we do a couple of things. First thing we want to do is, you know, what happened that I'm getting punished like this? This is the most terrible thing in the world that could ever happen to me. A broken person begins to see and look for how God is working in those situations to accomplish His divine will. A broken man is able to see that every circumstance that happens in life is a tool in the hand of a sovereign God who does only good. He begins to recognize the sovereignty of God. Now, now what do you think Joseph might have been thinking as his brother sold him, as his brothers sold him into slavery? And as they carried him away, bound into slavery. And what might he have thought when Potiphar told this vicious lie about him? And what might he have thought when the butler forgot him and he was left to languish out his life in prison? He had a right to be bitter, didn't he? I know some bitter folks. Bitter people are people who rebel and resist and war against what is happening to them in life. Broken people are people who say, God is at work in this and all things work together for good to them that love God. And they rejoice in it. It's the result of brokenness. Number four, it helps... Brokenness helps develop a forgiving spirit. Chapter 50, verse 19 and 20. If you'll flip to that, please. Chapter 50, verses 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, they came now, they, they realized what, they, what they'd done, and Joseph is alive and in command, and, and they fell down before him and said, Behold, we're your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. Oh, I love that. I'm, in God, I'm right where God wants me. And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Don't worry about it, brothers. I forgive you. It's all right. Now, how about your little score pad tonight? Somebody done you wrong? I mean, they've really worked you over and, and they've really given you a bad deal in life and you've gotten your little score pad out and you're keeping record and you're just looking for the day when you can get revenge, aren't you? You're just thinking, one of these days... The time's going to come when I can pay you back. It's a long worm that doesn't turn. That's what you're thinking. A broken person is a person who can forgive anybody anything. I must underscore that. He's a person who can forgive anybody anything. Until then, we hold on to our rights and to our feelings. And it is false brokenness if you can't forgive. 
whatever it is. Five, and finally, it develops a compassionate love like the sensitive spirit. Verse 21 of chapter 50. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, I don't know if that does anything for you or not, but I'm just overwhelmed by this story. Here is a man who has come the whole realm of brokenness. And the end result is that he's finally in the position to get even. He's finally in the place where he can get revenge for the hurt that has been caused him and the hours of sleeplessness and the suffering he's gone through. He's finally in a position to wield some power. And what he does is he puts his arm around them and he comforts them and he speaks kindly to them. Folks, that's something that only God can accomplish. Now what is the last result? The last result is that God develops in you an inner quietness like you have never known. God develops in you an inner peace like you have never known. God develops in you a freedom like you have never known. When the Spirit of God within finally breaks loose, all of heaven breaks loose. And everything that God has promised in His Word is now yours experientially. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we read about the great men of God and we just assume that these men are an exception and rather, rather than the example. And when our piosity and in our boasting, we say we want to be men of God, and then we understand what is necessary to become men of God. We understand what takes place to bring one to the end of self. Then we're not so sure that we want to be men of God. Father, would you begin in us a yearning, a burning desire to come to the end of the self-life to be totally yielded to the Spirit of God, to find that inner peace, that quietness, that freedom from fear and 
and doubt, fear of rejection, fear of love, the freedom that will enable us to truly be a servant. God, I pray for this, for this pastor and for this people. In Jesus' name. Now we have three invitations tonight. Will you listen carefully? First invitation is for you to come and receive Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus died on the cross to purchase for you a place in heaven which He offers as a free gift. And if you're willing to repent of your sin and turn in faith trusting Jesus and Jesus alone, willing to receive Him, the risen, resurrected, living Christ as the Lord of life. We'll invite you to come and say that. I'm coming to receive Jesus. I'm coming to trust Him for my salvation. The second invitation is for us to place our life in the fellowship, in a believing congregation, a church, a fellowship, there is no marriage without, a, without an address where that marriage is lived out. And there is no union with Christ without a place to live that out. The church is where we serve God. The fellowship of believers is where we place our life. Would you like to come and join our church? And then the third invitation is for those of us who, who just need a fresh touch of the Lord. We'll invite you to come right now as God leads you to come while we stand and sing only trust Him, 183.